Hello, everybody. Welcome to another session on Inspiring Educators. Today, we have a very, very inspirational school leader with us, educational leader with us, who has had experience from different parts of the world, and not just in teaching and leading a school, but also inspecting schools and uh, running large-scale projects on how education can really be improved for every single stakeholder of an educational institution. So I take this pleasure to invite uh, Mrs. Lakshmi Kumar. She's the founder, director, and principal of Orchid School Pune. And uh, she is, uh, I was talking to her before we hit the record button and such diverse knowledge of education. I am already very impressed. I hope we all learn a lot in this podcast today. So ma'am, welcome to the session. I hope, um, uh, you know, we are, we'll be able to create the maximum uh, you know, positive structure for our listeners today and we'll be able to create something amazing for all of our listeners today. So I'm to begin Thank with... Thank you. Thank I, you. Thank you. It's my privilege and my honor. So to begin with, I would request you to share your journey with us. You know, how did it all start? You know, you always wanted to be into education or did it happen one fine day? What was, What's the story? How did the education leader Lakshmi Kumar really came into being? Okay, it's uh, well. I uh, my uh, the foundation study. I did my masters in social work from Tata Institute of Social Sciences, and in uh, specialized in medical and psychiatric social work because I wanted to work with mental health. Okay. But within the mental health space, I wanted to work with children and families. So my first assignment was to be part of a child guidance clinic. But uh, all the children who came either were referred uh, by the families or from by the schools. I'm talking about 84. And every time I would uh, want to work with the you know major stakeholders in a child's mental health, I felt that they, they were not in sync. There was a lot of blame. There was a lot of shirking of responsibilities. And uh, I felt very, very frustrated that I don't have the access to the real genuine concerns of significant adults of children. So I kicked my job <clears throat> and went to a school, which uh, is upcoming, and uh, I asked for a job as a counsellor. Now, 84, a normal school having a counsellor was not the most uh, known concept. Right. Uh, so the principal said that, well, I have a job, but of a librarian. So since it was a very small new school, I took up the job because I had been working earlier with resources and learning materials. So I joined as a librarian and uh, used every opportunity to connect with children and uh, slowly started to connect with teachers and training teachers on classroom management and uh, building school climate and started working with parents on parenting and essentials of parenting and dialoguing with children and also started to work with policy makers on how do we build the school climate so that we can minimize child neurosis. So that's how I began to kind of infuse into the educational landscape. And I knew that if I'm working with education, I must know the bread and butter of education. Uh, if I want to be authentic and give my guidance to my teachers, 
i must really know what i'm talking about so then i started uh, you know my teacher education with cambridge and did uh, my educational leadership with cambridge on reflective practices in educational leader and uh, so my forte is to build a school climate wow. that is uh, that's you know really about uh, the most wonderful place we can create for children and all the adults around so i began to work with policies work with human resources work with stakeholder interest and training and also build programs the four pillars as i call it people policy processes and programs so people thought i'm an expert in education <laughs> so i was invited to build a school in 2004 with the orchid school wow. uh, as a employee director i'm not the owner director and i'm also not part of the orchid international chain of schools this is a standalone school okay that probably has an experimental model of uh, experiential learning got it so that's here i am so this was this the the orchid school started in 2004 you said and it's 17th year 17 years that's a lot of time and you know yeah, and you yeah. somebody who researches a lot and who builds a lot of things and then you build programs so i'm yeah. sure and, you know i think the the privilege of growing up with the school i mean i joined the school when they had just dug the ground so i felt that it was a it was a gifted opportunity to envision right uh, a concept of a school and the school is owned by a bunch of bureaucrats who kind of said that we don't know anything about schools so it's all yours wow so i said okay you put the money i put my brain and let's not cross uh, you know the the, <laughs> the yeah yeah very good so so it's ba- it's basically it's a baby that you bought up who's 17 years old now and well with so many significant adults you know you know that school like a child requires a community to evolve absolutely so i have a community of educators passionate members and above all parents who trusted us you know to build a brand i think that's the most uh, significant uh, element that you know right. when you're nobody and there are especially parents are willing to risk their child with you i think that's the biggest uh, gift that you can ask for i'm sure and i'm sure you must have met so many teachers interviewed so many teachers trained so many oh, teachers yes. hundreds and thousands of teachers yes, because this is my third school okay so this is my third school so i'm embarrassed to say i have a three decades of educational experience because today it's not about numbers yeah. i think it's about how diverse and how adaptive how you know robust i have been in my new learning curve so in that sense after covid i say i'm just two year old so yeah because so, none of us like, have run schools in covid times you know we have never run schools as lockdown schools as yeah. lockdown so in that sense we are all novice to this concept I mean, of it's, school it's like a phoenix right everybody is covered yeah. with ashes again and we are all yeah. going to yeah. identify what exactly should we be going ahead you know in my last conversation with 
uh, one of the principles of again an amazing education leader she mentioned Vishal I feel our biggest challenge right now is how do we go back to normal because we are so used mm-hmm. to the covid way of doing things now that thank god we don't have to go back to normal yeah, <laughs> yeah so, i yeah. think the past is a nostalgia as a romantic idea uh right. i'm glad that there is a curtain drawn on lot of practices that were so outdated and our refusal to adapt so we've got a good kick in our butt yeah and it's like a like you know many times our devices say okay you still want to use the software here's a hard update you if till then you don't update you can't use it it's like yeah yeah education yeah. systems were updated in covid okay here's an hard update if you don't update you can't survive and okay let's yeah, update yeah so, yeah got it got it so you know so you must have worked with so many teachers and everything so one amazing question that i one question that always amazes me and i always ask a lot of education leaders is how do you define a successful teacher right what is your definition of a successful teacher if you had to uh, you know in, or you know in a few words you know in a few sentences if you had to define that somebody could just reflect on those words and say okay where do i stand in in comparison to these words or in uh, you know if they have to weigh themselves so what would be your definition yeah well you know uh, i can give three words ccd not a cafe coffee day <laughs> okay uh, someone who is able to connect right that's the first c someone who is willing to be corrected the next one someone who has clarity of direction wow connect correct and direct right or connection direction and correction because uh, you know without connection i don't think you bring uh, any engagement right that if you do not have a connection relationship with your students uh, you know you however gifted you are in your content uh, you cannot engage right and correction is that that i'm willing to be corrected i'm willing to be updated i'm willing to be told that i'm outdated that i need to transition that i'm willing to be and i'm ready for corrections mm-hmm. correction i don't mean it in a very typical assessment way of right and wrong but someone that is ready for that yeah i need to correct myself in order to make better connections right. and the third one is that that i have a direction that i have a direction and a drive to you know uh, make a impact make a change in our students so that we build a better society our goals have to be loftier and bigger than the board exams and you know the the meager satisfaction of high scores like just yesterday i had a day before you know when we were talking about uh, a concert and you know we often write the concept note i asked them teachers what's the purpose of education you know uh, that that clarity of direction needs to be there the purpose of education is is to build a compassionate society right. to build a informed civic citizenry to build a global citizen that we can build peace and harmony Uh, and then the concerts and the textbooks and the exams and the field trips are all means to that lofty ideal absolutely 
so if the direction is set then it's it's easier yeah. to to tread on yeah. that path and then achieve whatever you wish to achieve beautiful beautiful i think a lot of our listeners and a lot of current and and you know prospective teachers are going to be learning that and uh, they're going to be working on that for sure so ma'am when i talk about prospective teachers this this amazing again I, i don't know why i'm using the word amazing again and again today it's just hit me today but there is this question that comes to to my mind that how do we motivate the next generations to come and join the teaching profession and somewhere all of us want the best teachers for our students but it's very rare that somebody wants their kids to become a teacher and uh, it's a question that has been uh, you know that has been keeping us up at night at surasa considering uh, united nations numbers of requirement of over 70 million new teachers required around the world in the next 5 to 8 years to take care of the education systems and everything like that and instead of more and more people joining as teachers there are teachers who are right now teaching leaving the profession and going so if you could share a message for these next generations what really does it mean to become a teacher because i think people don't understand what a teacher really does uh layman thinks that teaching is so easy anybody can do it uh people who have seen teachers and who are very close to them they realize they know it's very difficult it's not easy to do it but there is no clear direction again as you mentioned direction to what did really does it mean to become a teacher and can the youth be attracted towards it so if you could share a message around that think uh, you know no profession is easy okay especially when you are a service provider whether it's a healthcare professional or uh you know educational services it's not easy because you're working with dynamic minds dynamic human beings okay so we must not choose it because it fits our uh life cycle of a vacation and uh, my child because then you know uh, it's a very minimal agenda it will fulfill that objective so that's the first thing that i want to clarify that you know i'm not saying come with the right uh, approach okay uh, or the right uh, reasons i don't care for whatever reasons you have enrolled yourself to be a teacher it could be uh, you know it suits your marriage profile it suits your family profile it suits your children's life cycle or you know you have a good vacation which is all myth let me tell you or that you know uh, it's not a jig jig work i don't care what reason you choose to become a teacher but once you become a teacher once you make a choice uh, can we make an ethical commitment to this professional ethos that's right. the first thing and can i uh, stretch myself to do the best job that i can that's the second one i think the third and the most important one is uh, which i think is to do with our professional uh attribute that do i believe that i make a difference this uh this value or this self confidence this self image the self respect only we can infuse in ourselves we don't need to wait for external locus of motivation 
idea of volition from outside this is something that very sadly we lack as a profession a lot of time we will very apologetically say well i'm just a teacher right or uh, all lot of our behaviors that we believe is not a profession we rarely see teachers investing in themselves unless somebody mandates it i've seen teachers have done bed 20 years ago and done some basic mandate training and they can they feel they can sail along versus a doctor if the doctor has done 20 years ago his graduation or her graduation but doesn't update and upgrade is out of practice right and you would not go to such a doctor So I think I want to put this claiming the responsibility of being a professional and updating myself and connecting with the generation that I teach with and that I'm I'm on top of my professional demands that lies with us absolutely you know uh, it's not an employer's responsibility absolutely and I think you know uh, an so employer can give you a classroom you know employer can give you a darbar but whether you want to be a king or a queen is entirely your choice Absolutely. and you don't become a king or a queen by your power structures yeah. and power wielding only by being that professionally competent and personally humble is when you really can make a difference so this is what i tell my teachers i don't care for what reason you become a teacher now that you have registered yourself to become a teacher are you ready right right i'm sure you know uh, first of all 100% agree with what you said you know it cannot be uh, the accountability cannot be outside yourself right if you are a teacher it, your accountability of your performance is in, inside you and somehow we are stuck in into this vicious cycle and again many people to blame many systems to blame but we can't pinpoint on anyone but what yeah. we and also getting... you know you know the teacher salaries are not wow as uh, you know it guys okay yeah. if you want salary then go there you know i mean you can't be in the profession and be part of the system and right. every day complain about nobody respects you it's not true people respect you if you respect yourself right in fact if you respect yourself you really don't bother about who else respects you yeah yeah this vicious cycle you know where a teacher does the pre service education gets the degree but doesn't really know what really happens in the classroom then they interview with the school and the school says well you have the degree but you don't know much we'll have to literally train you from from the scratch so we'll have to invest in your training why don't it start at this low salary and then they start this is not this is not unique to only teaching profession i mean look yeah, at all the true. you know engineering and, i mean today you know even a doctor needs a pre service training in service training you know on the job training because nobody is employable right now unfortunately yeah, yeah absolutely Yeah, yeah. But where exactly you said that why doctors, you know, reach that threshold energy and move on to grow, while many times teachers most professions, pay. you know, I mean, you will never go to a lawyer who you know had his bar exam in 1942. Right, right. You will never give your case to that guy because he's right. not updated, you know, or you will never invite a civil engineer to construct your home. 
based on a knowledge that is totally out of sync with the uh, you know the climate and the context in which you are building you know or the material that you are building and you would never go to a fashion designer who made blouses for uh, you know maybe your grandma unless of course it's come back as a new design you know and you would never go to a jeweler you will never go to a florist uh, you know just think about any profession you wouldn't go to someone who who hasn't really understood the pulse of uh, you know the current realities so that principle should apply to teachers that that we cannot you know sail on you know i remember my guru uh, jos paul maybe you've heard his name he always used to say when teachers say that you know i have 30 years of experience say yeah yeah 30 years of the first year notes that you have prepared yeah. you know yeah we have just repeated it so it's it's i think it's that uh, you know attitude of uh, you know that koi farak nahi padta hai right the difference should be making for you that how boring it is to deliver the same type of lessons isn't it boring for you you know and i often say that to teachers you know every time you do the same thing your template must have 30% change mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right because that's when it is exciting for you right i'm like as you said we don't really go to those doctors and lawyers and architects but do you think that the schools have stopped going to those teachers do you think that schools are now rejecting new age schools are looking at only these the new, new age schools have started doing that not rejecting but engaging teachers to uh, you know evolve so we don't we don't have a great uh, you know uh, ocean to fish from okay in fact today just now i completed a final interview of a candidate and i told my hr and my leaders that uh, you know let's see how we can upskill her how we can mentor her right. how we can support her you know because it's not easy to walk into a school system that is established for 17 years and you have a organization culture and you have uh, you know already you know <laughs> groups and subgroups and then you have parents who have this big eyes in their you know living room classroom and you have children who have already kind of assessed you and put you in brackets and then you are bloody nervous yeah yeah absolutely i think if we can get that uh, you know empathy in action and say that uh, it, this is exactly how i was in my first year yeah yeah i think if us leaders never forget how you have been as a first year candidate and you made all the mistakes that are against the organization culture and grant them and guide them like yesterday one teacher said uh, you know that uh, well i'm still you know she's just joined us as a future readiness facilitator one month so i asked her how is it she said yeah i'm kind of figuring out and she said you know i think i really need a month to just figure out all the acronyms like uh, what is sptc you know i think she showed us a mirror mm. yeah. yeah you know we all we all talk sptc as if everybody in the world knew it is student parent teacher conference oh. why would i expect a new candidate to know what is sptc yeah but sometimes very unconsciously we say hey you know what next week there is sptc i hope you are all ready for it <laughs> right? right so i think 
uh, empathetic leaders would engage with the average teachers and make them extraordinary right 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 so so basically then it comes between uh, do i look for the right person or do i find an average person and make him the right person and well and i come from an hr background okay i say hire the attitude and skill the person right for me very very important is is the heart in the <clears throat> right place right we can skill damn the content content can be because yeah yeah, yeah that's all so i think for us is this person having the attitude and that is the litmus test and that kind of comes out in the first 3 months right then right. if the person is making some procedural errors or process slips that can be fixed right and that you know i can teach you how to write a lesson plan i can tell you how to look for you know the uh, real life connect for the concept and i can tell you how to set a paper and how i can train you on how to do assessments with the answer key and i can tell you how to how to how to how to but do you have it in you to make the child valued right do you have it in you that you don't have prejudices against the parents right are you willing to revisit your biases sure Yeah. You know, these true. are things that you know. These are things that are for me very crucial. Completely understand. So, um, first of all, um, you know, great learning from you about all of the basic principles that you are following as an education leader. But I'm sure uh, every leader, every successful person has had his mentors and people whom he looks up to and who he wants to thank whenever given a possibility and opportunity. So if you had to thank some of the mentors who would they be first of all so that when we publish this people know about them that okay these are the people go to people for education and leaders like you have learned from them and you look up to them and if you want to you know uh, even thank them or give them a message this women's day uh, we would love to you know take this clip from here and then send it to them that mrs lakshmi kumar sends you her regards on this women's day because she has become a you know a woman leader um, and leader in education and this women's day she wants to thank you so any any two three five people whomsoever you want to one uh, you know you, yeah. you can just pick up and well i think the first them. one would be uh, joe spall he's a living legend he lives in delhi uh, i met him when i was 24 wow and i remember the the formative years <laughs> of uh, what it would be to be an educator in that sense and i remember him reading out this poem of the uh, the master's touch the violin and you know and i remember that and i believe that uh, you know a dirty old violin which was completely out of sync you know is ready for an auction and nobody buys it and people just pay 1 dollar 2 dollar and suddenly somebody comes and cleans the violin and tunes it and starts playing the music and then the auctioneer asks what should be the cost you know people will bid for and it's 1000 dollars and what made the change it's the touch of the master you know and i carry that with me what he gave me a message you know it's not the violin's fault it's the people who perceive the you know potential of the violin and because we judge the violin's look uh, from its music 
that's one guy that I hold as my guru. Right. Uh, <clears throat> couple of them, of course, second would be my mom. You know, she was an embodiment of strength and, uh, you know, uh, a leadership because she was a single woman. And, uh, and she, you know, was in fact one of the reasons why I entered the mental health space. She had bipolar. And yet, I think uh, she did phenomenal jo- job of uh, driving this one message that education is the only way you can have upward mobility to us. Focused, and she was a disciplinarian to the extent that you know sometimes we felt uh, rebel against. <clears throat> the third one, he's no more, is a philosopher that I worked with as an international assistant for him for very brief four years. He's a very well-known uh, uh, philosopher, uh, Marxist scholar, and uh, I think Oxford has a chair on him, Dr. Roy Basker. And I worked with him for four years, traveling his India publication time. It was completely an off-the-cuff job as that I took it. And every night when we say, when he said goodbye to me, he would say, gently close the door on the past. That was his message. Every night when we traveled together, close the door gently on the past. And I thought that was a tremendous message about uh, uh, not carrying the baggage of the past. Right. You know, I think it cleanses you, it lightens you. And he also gave me a very, very significant uh, insight because I was doing a lot of transcription of his uh, lectures and interviews as publications. And, uh, you know, one day uh, I saw him actually typing on the computer. So I said, oh, my God, Roy, you knew actually to type. Then why were you not typing your books? directly yeah. I remember him saying this that you know Lakshmi I should do things only what I can do that I what I need to do if someone can do this for me I must let them do it yeah. I thought he just gave me an insight into the art of delegation you know Absolutely. do things only that you know no one else can do if someone else can do it train them and delegate and trust them to do it so that's my third guru or you know i think it was almost like life gave me those four years of very 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 important insights uh you know and this guy is such a well-known scholar but he would still look at me during every lecture to ask me you know did it go well lakshmi and I had to give him some visual signals or I would say, stop it, you know, <laughs> now it's time, it's boring or, you know, things like that. And, I mean, he was lecturing in IITs and the IIMs and I was traveling with him. And I thought life had uh, a plan for me of the learning. Wow. And uh, I think the fourth one, uh, you know, it sounds a bit cliche, is my students. Uh, I have worked a lot with international students. With you know, I worked with Sweden for the longest time, 25 years of oh. coaching them for intercultural competence. 
and i have felt so inspired that a 21 22 year old would leave all the comforts of their own hometown and come to india and live for three and a half months in india in the very minimalistic environment and uh, you know connect with people of different cultures and uh, be shocked and be prodded and thrown out of comfort zone and not given a familiar food and uh, you know really a you know very diluted uh, forms of luxuries or the basics and went back growing tall literally i'm not uh, you know uh, saying it as uh, this and i felt so inspired by their drive for learning and uh, i think they are my greatest greatest uh, gurus so to say well the list can go on and on and on and another one was the lady who gave me the opportunity to be a librarian but saw my potential as a uh, you know leader and as, a, as an educator unfortunately i lost her uh, to cancer but uh, yeah i mean she believed in me she trusted in me she saw that you know that there is a point in building a school climate so together we were a force we journeyed for 18 years not one day two days so i think uh, life has given me so many uh, such uh, people events as teachers you know situations have taught us so many things right so yeah wonderful thank you so much ma'am thank you for your time uh, i really enjoyed the discussion a lot many thank many you. pearls thank of wisdom you. in this conversation i'm going to work with the team and specifically pinpoint towards some of the things that they should pick up and they should use them uh, thank you, know, you. thank you yeah condition of teachers you know i mean when i speak about my mother if anyone had to have taught me women empowerment i think she's my first role model yeah and i think i learned all my gender lessons uh lessons of dynamics of patriarchy the oppression and uh, the class and the caste clashes everything life teaches you i think we need to pick up the right signals yeah thank you i'm sure you'll be an inspiration to hundreds and thousands of uh, thousands of women and men that they'll be able to look at the right direction yeah i i i believe that uh, feminism is not about women feminism is about human beings balance. it's about the balance right yeah and it's about human race right right yeah great thank you so much ma'am